episode 214, Global from Asia. Today's podcast is brought to you by Aurelia Pay. I use them personally for sending money to my Chinese suppliers from Hong Kong. It's a cross-border payment solution between China, Hong Kong, and Southeast Asia. So when I need to make a payment to a Chinese supplier, I just hop online to place the remittance, pay to the Aurelia Pay's Hong Kong-based bank account, and Aurelia Pay will settle RMB within the same business day. So check them out online at www.aureliapay.com, A-U-R-E-L-I-A-P-A-Y.com, or check them out linked in our show notes. Welcome to the Global from Asia podcast, where the daunting process of running an international business is broken down into straight up actionable advice. And now your host, Michael Michelini. Okay, everybody, uh, 214 shows in at Global from Asia. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And I am here in Miami, Florida. My kids are bouncing in the hotel room next to me. I think Maggie's a future podcaster. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> I always try to stick a little bit of fun stuff in here. I'm here for our China business workshop happening uh, this next couple of days. Of course, it will be over by the time you are listening. But we try to do these offline events and get together some listeners and people on the and the audience and uh, and uh, engage with them. So I'm excited for this one. I'm preparing for it for a while. Of course, the real reason I'm in Florida is family and a couple of years then my parents met my kids and my my hacky for the first time but that's the hardest part about being doing business globally internationally in asia is that uh, crazy stuff is my kids don't speak much english and it's kind of freaking my parents out it's uh, hard to explain on a radio show so let's just move forward this week's show we have a Two for one, uh, well, two guests and together. It's three of us on the mic, Will Trillin, Danny McMillan, and I. And we're talking about the future of Amazon in 2018 and e-commerce internationally with some fun tidbits and inputs on that. And, of course, we're also here to start sharing and promoting the Cross-Border Summit 2018, the third annual here for Global From Asia. And it's April 20th and 21st. So just like this China Business Workshop, you know, one way that supports the show is our offline events. I know like Toby is a listener, really long time listener, and he's, uh, wants to make it out there. I know it's a big ask to come out to China if you're in America and uh, other things, but it's one way that uh, you can meet us, meet me, meet some of these amazing guests on the show. And we try to make it as interactive as possible too. Miles will be there too. He's in the, he's so excited. <laughs> well, you can always get the show notes of what we talk about at globalfromasia.com slash episode 214. And without further ado, let's jump into the show. All right. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to our Global From Asia podcast. This is uh, going to be a very engaging one. We have two amazing people that have both been on the show separately in the past, Danny McMillan and Will Churlin. Thanks, thanks guys, for coming on. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Sure, sure. It's it's a pleasure. And today we're going to be talking about Amazon FBA trends in this new year, 2018. You'll, of course, both be some of our top speakers at this upcoming cross-border summit in April 2021. And for those that uh, don't know you guys, uh, maybe we'll catch you up a little bit, starting with Danny. Danny McMillan, you're in London right now, and you're a seller yourself for many years. And I always think of you also uh, had 
you're in the music business for quite some time and you're, uh, you're also doing a podcast and content at Seller Sessions. So is that about right, Danny? You want to add something for yeah, me? Yeah, basically that's it. I used to be in the music industry many moons ago. Um, I started selling on Amazon in 2015 and uh, the host Seller Sessions, yeah. Cool, cool. And then Will Churlin, another great seller and we've gotten to know each other over the years now and pretty still on the show too. And you're, you're doing goat consulting, right? And yeah. So I'm doing a couple of different things. I started selling on Amazon full-time in 2013. Um, from there, went on to start Go Consulting, where we help brands and manufacturers sell more products on Amazon. And my kind of pet side project I've started the last couple of months is running um, a brand called Bad Boy that sells like kickboxing and MMA equipment. So I've been selling on Amazon um, recently and kind of getting back into the groove of that instead of just the consulting side. Nice. Yeah, it's always keeps the game keeps us keeps us sharp in the game. Mm-hmm. It, I call it the gladiators of being a seller in the arena here. So 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 today's show, you know, I think we're going to have you guys jumping in when you see you can you can answer and we'll go through some items this I titled it the Amazon FBA trends for 2018. We're still early on in February and the show will be scheduled in the next couple of weeks, so we'll get it out right away. So I first want to start it seems like the you know what the elephant in the room is Amazon. You know, I, I always talk on my show and to my friends. I, I remember before Amazon was even a significant percent of my business it was mostly eBay and web web store sales back uh, when I was starting in uh, 04 and 05. But now it seems like what is it the 80 percent? Is that what you is still the majority revenue for most international e-commerce markets? Of course, there's some others like you know China or or Australia and others, but it seems like it's can it still be the the main source of income for revenue of sellers? Yeah, who yeah. do you want to go first? Go on, Will, you go first. Yeah, so yeah, yeah I, th- I think so. Um, I still see Amazon as the main focus. Um, it's interesting even talking to the companies I work with. Um, some of these are already in Target and Walmart stores and in all sorts of different brick and mortar stores. And still, Amazon is the majority of their focus. Every once in a while, they'll ask us about um, different countries and different other marketplaces, but majority of their sales, majority of the focus, everyone still is on Amazon. They still see a growing, the stock keeps going crazy. And so all the hype kind of keeps building on itself. It's a big snowball rolling down the hill. Yep. Seems unstoppable. Yeah. I mean, I think there's that big debate selling on Amazon and then it's like, okay, then you've got to come off Amazon and go down all these different channels. Now, if you look at recent data, I think it was Casey Goss from viral launch, they've got thousands of customers basically that work with them. And he said he can't think of any of the customers that he works with, even the ones that are doing over 10 million a year, have managed to shift that balance of revenue off of Amazon because a lot of people say they get suspended. They go, right, I've had enough of Amazon now. I'm going to build this channel off of Amazon. And they invest all this time, all these resources, but never seem to get anywhere near the level of revenue that's generated on Amazon. Um, so it's not like it's impossible, but I think in this day and age, I think if you're going to sell off Amazon, you want to have products that's, um, you know, that's uh, consumable. So you can order on a regular basis. So you're not keep paying for that first sale every time in terms of your acquisition cost. Ideally, it's not on Amazon. And if it is, it's cheaper than Amazon and you've already built a moat around it. Um, and I think that's, 
one of the protective ways. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I think most people will see that 80% or so of their revenue, if not more, is on Amazon, and then the other 20% made up across 10 or 15 platforms. That's not everyone, but I think if you sum down a 1,000 people and ask them the same questions, you'll probably get close to that. Hmm. Yeah. One thing to keep in mind is if you do want to capitalize on those other marketplaces out there, that you're going to want to be niche-specific and marketplace-specific. So you might notice there's a gap in the market for charcoal charcoal grills on walmart.com. Or you might notice that there's not enough uh, silicone baking sheets on jet.com or wish.com is really missing um, more expensive items. And so you find a, a very specific niche in a specific marketplace where you can really exploit it and you can actually get a decent amount of sales since no one's gotten there yet. But um, for the most part, yeah, I think Amazon's tried and true as the majority of the traffic, the most trust and the, the quickest to convert your customers into actual sales. Yeah, I think uh, I think probably listeners are agreeing, nodding their heads here. But at the same time, Amazon seems to know this too, so they don't seem to <laughs> really. Uh, they've been getting much, I'd say, stricter. Would you say on the on sellers? It seems very clear they're tightening up. I think you know years ago they were begging, you know really trying to get more sellers on a platform. I guess they feel like they have enough now, and and uh, it's just going to probably get harder for sellers getting yeah. on or. I just talked to uh, two sellers in this last week who are both just launching their first product and both are having a little bit more trouble getting through the approval process, getting everything kind of set up correctly because Amazon's making them jump through so many more hoops. And so I think, yeah, Amazon realized now we have enough SKUs. We have enough silicone baking sheets, silicone gloves. We have enough whatever yoga mats. Um, it'd be best if we had 40 yoga mats to choose from instead of 4,000. And so I think they're just going to make it stricter and stricter. And I wouldn't be surprised if I heard in the future that Amazon was going to significantly um, increase the monthly fee to be a member, where if they started charging $1,000 a month to be a, a pro seller, it would kick a ton of people out of the market. Um, and majority of people who are selling a quality product at a quality price wouldn't really be affected and would kind of just go along their daily business. And so something like that, that's uh, not a variable um, increase, but just kind of like a static increase to the fees would um, be something that I would see coming down that kind of pipeline in the near future. I definitely agree with that. I'd also say that compliance makes a big thing as well. You know, with terms of gating, the the terms of having a trademark um, brand registry 2.0, I think there's a moat being built around it so that they're trying to retain only the top end sellers with uh, high level quality of products, if that makes sense. Because you've seen that more and more regulations are coming into play and the squeeze is happening on, say, the people with a, with a small amount of cash flow to work with. So mm. obviously that moves those people outside of the game, but it retains the people that are obviously established themselves as a business. Because if you think um, the gold rush of a few years ago, as people would call it, People weren't even getting inspections and they're ramming stuff straight from from factory to Amazon with no care involved. So obviously a lot of that's changed now and I think the compliance is starting to really step up. And I agree with uh, Will with the fees as well. But um, there's one thing I don't agree with is this new, they're offering this new service, which works out 42 grand a year to get your own seller support rep. I mean, you've got to be mad to take that on. So that, but that's a story for another day. So um, having your own account manager. But I think there's another point to take into consideration here is with the platform as well as 
as uh, you get more and more relevant through PPC and the fact that more and more people are going after the same few positions, obviously that's having a knock-on effect for people to play in the game in terms of the cost per click and it's rising in a lot of the categories. Got it, got it. Yeah, I like it though. It's true. There's getting more options with, with paid ads and you can be more more focused and specific. So there's maybe some positives to this. <laughs> Indeed. Great. Well, I think, I think yeah, one ahead. more quick positive too is that Amazon's just forcing all these other marketplaces to step their game up. And so I've had like three or four calls in the last couple of weeks with um, customer service reps and managers over at eBay. And they're going way out of their way to make sure that they kind of roll out the red carpet for me, make my life as easy as possible, help me upload a couple thousand SKUs, all that types of stuff. And you can tell that they wouldn't probably be doing all that stuff and going above and beyond if I wasn't doing so well on Amazon and if Amazon wasn't such a big competitor to theirs. And so they're saying, we want to slice this pie too. What can we do to attract sellers? And so if you're selling in any sort of volume, these third-party marketplaces actually may go out of their way to kind of like cut fees and do things that they normally wouldn't do for other people. So that's one thing to think about when you're thinking about other marketplaces. Mm. All right. Thanks guys. And yeah, Will, you're talking about some, some new sellers launching products and I've talked to other sellers and consultants and experts. And it seems like with the launch, it seems like everything is, is getting uh, restricted and, and uh, you know, like discouraged or black or gray anyway you know what are what are but i think what sellers are saying that i talk to is like well you just got to basically there's so many regulations and rules now you kind of got to you know break the rules or bend the rules a little bit to 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 stick stick out especially with a launch when how do you guys feel and that's well i i mean the product launch thing has been been over and over in the facebook groups recently and just to break a few things out here like you've got gray you've got black and then you've got compliance so you've got tos but is it in tos is it gray is it this that and the other let's break them down right you can do discount codes which you can determine the discount so if you want to give something away at 90 percent, you can there's no law against you running facebook ads yeah unless you start making false claims which some people may do yeah um, one of the things that you've got to look at is that there's a storefront URL that people use to help with ranking. Now, that could be considered as manipulation, but Amazon has left that path open. People do it every day. All the launch, not all, but a lot of the launch um, companies use the same methods as well. Now, th- these launch companies are still here, you know. Um, so at this moment in time, there, there's a lot of talk of um, – well, this is grey hat, this is black hat. Let me give an example where I had many conversations with people. Maybe they got suspended or they go, well, you know, this is black hat, this is grey hat, et cetera, et cetera. So if I was to break it down, if you run in ads and like with 90% off, like Facebook ads, there are times I've seen people who will send them to a landing page and they're using Amazon logo in the image, they're using bestseller badge and they're using five stars. That's against the rules, yeah? And then they're also putting in their false claims. Now, the other thing I've seen people do, and Amazon sign up to these funnels, is that people are asking for a review at the same time. So they've got a review funnel set up as well. So what happens is you get a cross-pollination of stories of being told, of saying, oh, I got suspended for this reason. And then when you really start to dig deep into it, you realize that what they're doing, they're doing discounts, they're asking for reviews, they're using the like logos and stuff that they shouldn't, that are 
not been provided outside of the affiliates program, where there's official Amazon logo. They're using bestseller badge when they don't have it. They're using five stars when they don't have five stars. All of these things start to come into play. So where we're at the moment is Amazon is always going to be changing and updating their rules. One day they might shut the loop off in terms of using sending external traffic and using the storefront URL or using promo discount codes with you know, limiting them to 50 or 60% off, and they're introduced new features. But as it stands at the moment, there's no law against Facebook ads. There's no stipulation of law against a, 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 a storefront URL because all the promo services are using it. And there's no limitation on whether these are group codes or singular codes either. Mm. But I can, I can tell you for sure that a lot of the suspension companies I talk to, when they talk about suspension for Facebook ads, it's normally through review manipulation. Makes sense. Yeah, I think Danny's story is kind of a story as old as time in the Amazon communities where people get suspended for something, say they did nothing wrong. You start asking more and more questions and you kind of get to the root of the problem pretty quickly. And so it's, I always just tell people, as long as you're not doing anything maliciously or like misleading the customer for your gain, um, then you more times than not, you're in the clear with Amazon. So as long as you don't try to lie to a customer or try to trick them, you're, you're, you're in the, you're in the good. So if you try to put like a, a badge on your t-shirt that says um, picture, even though it says no badges and your badge says hundred percent cotton and your t-shirt's hundred percent cotton, you're not really hurting the customer. You're not really doing anything malicious to the customer. Amazon doesn't really care. They're probably not going to suspend you for, even though it's against the terms of service to put badges in your photos. Mm. Danny, you have any last parts for this on the launch or? No, I just think, I think what you've got to be careful of is that there's the truth there's what Amazon knows and then there's the Facebook truth. And so Facebook can be an echo chamber where people are hearing certain things and then they repeat what they heard. Like the latest one is that storefront URLs and, and these ranking services are not working anymore. And then you'll go, well, why? And they said, well, I tried it on this product, not, not naming it, but they tried it on a product. And then they tried it again with another product three months later. But what they don't say to you is, how many coupon codes did they give away? How many coupon codes did they need to give away? What was the discount codes? Did they make sure that their, their URLs were set up correctly? They miss all the bits in between. Does that make sense? Mm. It's, it's not until you start to dig in and you go, okay, well, that makes sense because you decided not to do a 90% off. You couldn't distribute that many codes because you decided to do 30 to save money. By saving money, people didn't find your deal valuable. Therefore, you didn't distribute enough codes to do the ranking. Therefore, it would take you longer to rank over that period of time, you know? So, and I think what else people do is that they may have a budget in mind. They'll give away a certain amount of units. And when it, uh, it doesn't stick, then they blame the ranking for not sticking, even though they got there to position wherever they did on page one. The problem is with the ranking thing is you can get somewhere there to page one with the right amount of elbow grease and using the right amount of promos, et cetera, as people have done over and over again. But what you can't guarantee is that the Amazon uh, community of buyers will actually vote wallet, get to page one, and it doesn't stick now. So, and that could be down to your price. It could be down to your images. It could be that people don't um, like the product. There's so many different variables, but I think it's very easy to say that, all oh, right, that doesn't work or that's against TOS. But you need to understand the full picture before that them kind of comments can be conclusive. 
Yeah, it's this is really you guys are great getting into the details and nitty gritty here, and it's uh, it's important. And you know, I've I've uh, but we still got to put up with it, right? I mean, we were at a conference, the Cross Border Matchmaker in October. Will was also there. I don't know if he remembers this part, but one of the one of the sellers, uh, Jerry Gunn, uh, he's he's a uh, current owner of Amazon Tracker, and he's got one of the biggest uh, Amazon seller companies in probably the world and yeah. and he uh he it was a panel and someone asked him if it's worth having a shopify or a shopping cart or or a, he said no he yeah. he kind of shocked the room because uh there was a lot of back and forth with that question but he says he's he's all in on amazon well, um, especially at the scale he's at say i'll just make up a number i have no idea how much he does in sales but um say he's doing a hundred million dollars in sales well, that Shopify store has to do like $15, $20 million in revenue for it to be worth his time. And so if he launches a Shopify store and hires all these people and trains all these people and it does $2 million in revenue in the first year, it's almost considered a failure. And it's like, well, let's just stop doing that and just focus on Amazon from here on out. So yeah, it's interesting depending on where you are in your business and how your business is set up, what marketplace kind of makes sense to different people for different reasons. Mm, true. Yeah, especially in a lot of, you know, we, people would ask me about Chinese sellers and I think maybe any seller, but scale is always the most important to, you know, get as big and as fast as possible. So I th- they always kind of say Westerners or international sellers always want to diversify and get all complicated. And, and uh, I think Jerry and others, other, a lot of other Chinese sellers would just say they're focusing on revenue and, and, uh, and uh, volume. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm imagining that he's he's not selling everything off of one seller central account, and that maybe they've got a, a number of different businesses with different brands that are under different names. I don't know. I mean, it seems that like he's not putting all these eggs in one basket. But if he's one of the biggest sellers on Amazon, maybe he knows something that we don't know for divi- diversifying risk. You know, true. That is true. I. I- I maybe we'll 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 let listeners think if he has multiple accounts or not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and we'll yeah. move forward. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not saying he should, but there is it's not against uh, Amazon yeah. rules. You can apply for a, a secondary account oh, okay. as long as it's se- separate brands. And if you do it, the paperwork right and you do it all all in the right manner, there are ways of, of doing it. Will you've done it? I mean, you've separated yeah. brands off. You sold I, brands as well. Yeah, I got different Amazon accounts, and um, also I sign in in our office between the different employees, the six of us, and the different companies we manage, we might sign in and out of 20 different Amazon accounts on each computer each day. And so um, if Amazon was real touchy about that, we would have been flagged a million times over. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. So toward bringing up China, and of course, one big one in China is Alibaba and I know even Will's talked in previous podcasts and other, other presentations a lot about, you know, even buying off Taobao, people talk about AliExpress. You know, I think the probably the top biggest e-commerce companies in the world are Amazon and Alibaba. When a lot of people don't know all these different parts of Alibaba, but you know, it's more than just the the B two B directory. So I feel like there's a they're coming closer and closer on each other's turfs. Um, not sure if even Will in your podcast on this show, you're talking about Dragon Boat and you know Amazon's doing it almost doing shipping direct now from China. So I feel like these two guys are getting closer to closer. Oh yeah, for sure. And then they're going to sit there and probably steal ideas from each other. And so they've Amazon for sure has seen the success of like Alipay 
and we'll be wanting to get into that kind of um, market soon and uh, vice versa. Alibaba has got to be seeing stuff that Amazon's doing where they got the stores where they have no checkout line or anything like that. And Alibaba is probably opening their own version of 7-Eleven probably all over <laughs> China soon yeah. enough. You know? And so <laughs> they're sitting there and it's like they're kind of almost working together at this point where they can see how one tests out in one marketplace and then kind of copy each other's ideas. One selling products at a much higher price. One, one company is doing less retail price but higher volume and so they kind of like are almost kind of work together and work separately at the same time it's very interesting it's kind of like the relationship between lyft and uber Mm. if you look into that and like um uber owns 20 percent of dd dd owns 20 percent of lyft all those companies seem like they're competitors but they all kind of own each other and they all kind of work together it's kind of a (laughs) bizarre they're both trying to kind of work make the future go in one direction and so it's yeah it's interesting to see them as a competitor but like as a head-to-head direct competitor i don't know if that's going to be anytime soon yeah that's true i mean yeah i mean it's kind of it's a long ways to bridge these two markets yep i'm not sure if danny's i mean i know will files this a lot with Taobao yeah, I mean, and everything. I think Will's well on top of that one. I've not got much to put in on that one. I'm sure, afraid. sure. That's no, fine. That's fine. So appreciate you guys' time. I mean, this has been already really sparking my interest. We're getting towards the end. I think I think one one of the last main questions that we, we talk about is, you know, third-party seller's future. I think these marketplaces, there's always this kind of like push-pull of hate between the two. Do you... Uh, I, there always needs sellers, right? I mean... Some people yeah. are always afraid of it, or there's, you know, there's, people think it's just big brands only now, or Amazon's basics, or. Yeah, I think there's always going to be a room for sellers. There's especially always going to be room for innovative sellers because it seems like the innovative sellers are always kind of there in the niche before anyone else. It's going to take a while for some of these big multinational corporations or even Amazon basics themselves to get into certain markets. And so you can see kind of like the innovative person can be in there right away for the new DJI drone case and be flooding the market with a bunch of different types of cases with different logos and patterns on them way before any big corporation can make all those decisions and stuff. So there's always going to be a room for like the scrappy third-party seller. They're always going to be around there. It's just going to be, you have to be more creative and kind of have a better idea of sourcing from this point forward. And having boots on the ground like Mike does in China is kind of a huge advantage if you're sitting there trying to launch products and kind of quickly jump on trends. Yeah, I think I totally agree with Will. I think all that's happened is that as the platforms matured as well, when we got into it, there was less compliancy and, and red tape, et cetera. But then obviously Amazon's had to has grown and worked out some of these issues that I have to deal with because obviously they have to keep off, off bad people off the platform as well as looking after good people. But sometimes, you know, with Amazon, the way they operate their suspension policies, they shoot first and ask questions later you can get caught up in that. But I think what they've also doing, when they, when they are tightening up these regulations, they are making it better for the sellers that are already on the platform, if that makes sense. So I don't think it's there's a, a complete shutout for new sellers, but can you start with $500 like you used to be able to at one point? You know, Not really if you want it to replace your income. I think what's happening now is the platform's got more sophisticated You have to put a bit more money into it. But see it as a positive as well, because if you're trying to compete on the platform, you don't want to compete with, you know, this large pool in an area that you're in. If you can reduce that pool, that's only going to benefit you. Everyone needs competition at the end of the day. But if you're willing to jump through somebody's hoops and complete the paperwork and play the game at a slightly higher level, 
then it's only going to benefit you long term. And it also what it forces you to do, it makes you think about the kind of products that you do sell because you can't get away with the products that some people used to sell before. You need to make sure that you've got higher quality products in order to survive. And that's not a bad thing. Very good, guys. This is great. I think, yeah, I mean, stay motivated if you're listening. A lot of just still room for, I think, generally newbies. Is, but you got to be, you got to be, yeah, like innovative, just like any any market or any business. You know, the earlier you get in, the better normally, but there's still chances. So uh, don't get too discouraged, <laughs> listeners. And so now let's let's talk about some fun stuff. We've been planning this for quite some time now. And, and uh, we're having a cross border summit, our third annual. And we have both you guys come in to share it. And it's a two-day, full-day conference, 20th and 21st. And we worked out a bonus half-day VIP mastermind session the afternoon before on the 19th that uh, some of the speakers, which you two and also Anthony Lee and Brian Johnson will be helping out with. So, Danny, do you want to catch some people up on that? Yeah, so basically we, we got the idea from me because me and Will, we've got our own agency. Um, so we, we've got Anthony on there as well, Memo Bekvar. And so we, we tend to do quite a lot of speaking work around the world. And one of the things we've seen uh, which works quite well is that the mastermind thing, which is almost like speed dating where you've got multiple tables. So a lot of people want to get involved with masterminds, but don't always have the budgets to pay big bucks for these very large ones that may cost you 25 grand a piece and stuff. So what we're trying to do is trying to put knowledge in the hands of people without all the, um, all the fluff, if you like, around it. Because basically you can go into the room, there's, you can have multiple people to a table and then you rotate those tables. At the end of the day, people want to come and get solid information and get their questions answered. And it's an affordable way of doing this without maybe paying for an independent mastermind. It's like you can come to the event and you can network and do all these different things, but you can also attend a half-day mastermind where you can get a lot of the information you would do on on a you know a two-day mastermind or if you went to a uh, one on a desert island. You know, some people would do them in places like Bali. So for me, it's about getting the right information to the hands of the seller of all different sizes. So it's, there's no, you know, no one's been excluded. Very good. Very good. Yeah. I mean, it'll be both your guys first time at this, this summit. So I'm really excited to have you. And if I think this mastermind we're adding with, with you guys this year is, is special because, but it's continuing what we're trying to do is we, you know, we don't want to be the biggest conference, like as far as quantity of people, but we actually like the whole, affordability as well as uh, ability to also get to know the speakers, get to know the other attendees and really get to, to make some relationships with each other. So, so I'm excited for that. Anybody listening, we'd love to uh, talk to you about it. Talk to me. We have it at crossbordersummit.com slash 2018 for 2018 with the full details. Um, and that's it for that part. Our little plug for this, this show and uh, supports what we're doing here at Global From Asia and, and everybody else. And so, Danny, uh, how can people find you? Seller Sessions is the best place? Yeah, they can reach me at sellersessions.com if they want to drop me an email and ask any questions. It's danny at sellersessions.com. Very cool. And Will, where is the best place people can find you online? Our uh, best place to find me is just email me. Uh, my name, William Churnland at gmail.com. I'm on all the social medias too. 
uh, okay. Twitter, Facebook, all that stuff. So yeah, reach out to me if you have any questions. If you have any questions about the uh, cross-border matchmaking summit um, or Shenzhen or anything like that, yeah, let me know. Awesome, awesome. Thanks guys for coming on and sharing. It's, uh, it's going to be an exciting year, 2018. Indeed, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks so much, Danny and Will, for coming on again. Both have been amazing guests in previous episodes here at Global From Asia. And you know what? I don't know next time I'll be in America, to be very honest with you. It's it's a, it's a family, really, reason. And uh, I I don't know. We'll see what happens. But uh, it's been a couple of years since the last time I was here. I think it's going to be even longer this next time, to be frank. It's... Um, I, I mean, I guess that's why I started going from Asia. It's why I moved there and never thought I'd be there 10 years, but uh, still think I'll be here another 10 years. Some people say you can live there for the rest of your life. I'm like, are you going to live where you are for the rest of your life? You know, I, 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 you know, I, I think it takes, uh, it takes some courage to move outside of your hometown, your home country. And I, I, uh, I respect anybody that's able to do that. And the uh, longer it is, it is challenging. You know, I'm going to, just say goodbye to my parents and, uh, you know, things like that. That's, that's the hardest part. I wish there was teleporting. Where, when is that going to get invented for faster planes or something? But anyways, I will be with you guys next week. Still be on the road in America and trying to connect with some listeners and business people and promoting this cross-border summit coming up April 20th and 21st crossbordersummit.com slash 2018 and I am going to go take a little swim in a pool with the kids I think de-stress a little bit thanks again for listening thanks again for your support and telling your friends leaving reviews saying how much this has helped you I met actually some people that watched the video blogs and uh, he wrote me some amazing feedback he said he gave him the courage to come out to China gave him the courage to do business uh you know online and things like that and it, it just totally makes me feel amazing so hope that's helping you guys out and i hope we can uh, work together in the future in a business relationship thank you so much have a great day bye-bye to get more info about running an international business please visit our website at www.globalfromasia.com that's www.globalfromasia.com also be sure to subscribe to our itunes feed thanks for tuning in